What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. So you can go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, or you can go to Acts chapter 4, verse 5, or if you have one of those fancy little things in your Bible, you can go to both, and then you can bookmark one and then just go to the other one. But I want to teach about cornerstones today and, and, and just give you some, a little uh, uh, what the Scripture says about being a cornerstone and who is our cornerstone. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 says this, Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. So basically, Jesus, who was rejected, has now been lifted up as the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, that, that rock that makes them fall. Listen to this. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. And... and uh, Peter doesn't say they stumble because they missed a couple church services. I talk to folks who say, hey, we were gone last week, and, and it's almost like a sense of guilt. God doesn't want us to feel guilty for missing church services. Now, if you miss a couple months, we have to talk. But if you miss a couple days, it's okay. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Don't stop condemning yourself for the little things that you do. But here's the deal. When you start making it a habit in your life, that's when it could become an issue. That's when it could go. you can go down the wrong road. And if you're not obeying God, Peter says that's when you can get in trouble. They do not obey God's word. They might even go to church every Sunday and still what? Not obey God's word. I often tell people you come to church, but do you know the word of God and is it living in your heart? Are you actually following what the word of God says to do? And if you're not, you can be in trouble, not by what Rocky says, but what the Bible says. They do not obey the word of God. And so I'll be diving into this cornerstone a little bit here in a second. How many of you have ever done a remodel in your house? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you are still married after that remodel that you've done in your house? I mean, it tests every marriage. I think it's God's little way of saying, are you really serious about each other? Because I'm going to put you through this test of a remodel. Debbie, who's, who's sitting right up here, and I, we moved into a house in Dayton, Nevada. Have you been there? All right, good. Pray for Dane because it's need, a lot of houses going up. A lot of people need the Lord. So we moved into this house. It was 1,400 square feet, and uh, we, were help, we, were, we were actually pastoring the church there, and we wanted more room in our space to have more people in our home. So we're like, let's build a, a, a family room and, a, and another bathroom and a, and, a, and a bedroom, and it sounded so wonderful. And so her father-in-law could build things. He's a contractor. And so together, we started building this project, and I'll tell you what. It tested everything about us. But here's the deal. We got a, we got a tractor. We dug out a hole, and uh, we're ready to put the foundation down. Well, a little bit about me. I'm going to share a little bit. I'll be vulnerable. I'm not the most patient dude in the world, okay? I know you might be, but I'm not, all right? So my father-in-law, who is an engineer, he's got lasers out. 
I never built anything in my life. He's got lasers making sure everything's perfect. We're running strings. All I wanted to do was pour. He's making sure everything is straight and hour upon hour upon hour where I got a little frustrated. I was like, why is this taking so long just to pour the form for the foundation? Well, okay, so we pour the foundation. And then on top of that, you put the joists. And then you have a floor. And then you have walls. Eventually, you put the roof and all that other fun stuff. Here's where I found out that the foundation is the most important thing of that home. First of all, so the house won't fall. But second of all, when I put on the drywall, I started putting on the drywall, and I'm like, oh, have you ever put drywall on before? It'll test any, any bit of your patience also. So you're, you're Christian, whatever. It, as I'm putting on the drywall, sometimes it wouldn't fit right. Why? Because maybe the wall built behind it wasn't perfect or the foundation may have been a little off. And here's what I want to share with you. It's right here and it's right here in your Bible. What you start with, what you build with, will it be exposed in the final product? Everybody might not be able to see. No one is going to be able to go down and see that foundation unless you're a little psycho and you feel like climbing down under that house to see the foundation. Nobody's going to ever see it. But I'll tell you what, if that foundation's messed up, everything's going to be messed up. I even told, I got some sand here. I even told my dad, I go, hey, dad, would it be okay if uh, you see there's some dirt in there? You can't see it. You're way back there. But there's some dirt in there. There's some stubble in there. I said, just put it all in there, and we're going to put concrete on top of it. He goes, Rocky, you can't do that. I go, why? It's going to be buried by concrete. Concrete is pretty strong. He said, here's the deal. As this wood and stubble decay, it leaves a hole. And then your foundation weakens. And I thought about the spiritual concept of that. We think we can go to church. We think we can go to church and then walk outside and put all these things in our lives that are leaving a hole in the very foundation of our life. And then we wonder why we're crumbling when things get tough because you've let sin enter into your life and it forms a hole. And then your foundation is weakened. Jesus is never going to be weakened, right? Jesus, the foundation. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Jesus is never going to be weakened, but the things that you do, the things that you put in your life can weaken your walk with the foundation that's never going to be weakened. Does that make sense? You you could fall because of what you do. Don't blame Jesus. We love to blame the devil, right? The devil made me do it. It's an old Philip Wilson joke. The devil made me do it. It's not about the devil. It's about us doing what we feel like we should be doing instead of what Scripture tells us to do. So go in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, and I want to talk about this foundation, this this belief that that in the cornerstone, the, the, the foundation of our life, which is Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what, the world is always going to offer you something else to put into your foundation. The world is always going to have something for you. It's going to have some little special treat to say, don't worry about Scripture, worry about this. And it's up to you to make the choice in order to follow the foundation or follow what the world is telling you. There's always going to be something there. You need to say, I am not going to worry about what the world says, but I'm going to worry about what Scripture says. Amen? I'm going to follow what the Bible says instead of following everything else. We're going to start reading in Acts chapter 4. And this is about... Peter and John before the Sanhedrin. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the Sanhedrin. They were like the leaders in the church. They were not the political leaders. They were the leaders in the church. The Sanhedrin had about 70 members of Pharisees and Sadducees, and they would bring judgment upon people who weren't doing what the Bible said that they should do according to their thinking. So they bring in Peter and John because they did something horrible. Does anybody know what they did that they are on trial right now for? Can you imagine this? Why were they on trial? 
Any biblical scholars out? They healed somebody. Good job. They healed somebody, and now they're on trial. Think about that. Have you ever done something good, and then somebody tells you you did it good, but you didn't do it the right way, and you get in trouble for it ever? Like your boss says, well, that was really good, but you need to do it this way. But it was good. I did it the right way. It was done properly. It doesn't matter. You got to do it this way. And the Sanhedrin, because they were so legalistic, they couldn't see that something else could be different than their way. And, the, and Peter and John said, it's not about the Sanhedrin. It's about Jesus. Verse 5. Acts 4, verse 5. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other, other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? By what power or whose name have you done this? So think for a moment. You've healed somebody. You're in front of this Sanhedrin that could whip you, that can stone you, that can actually put you to death, right? They, they went to Rome and put Jesus to death. So they could have done this to Peter and John. And at that moment, if fear gripped Peter, he may have not gone back to the solid rock who's Jesus. He may have gone back to who he was prior. He may have just ignored Jesus at that time and said, I don't know, we, it was a mistake, let's move on. No, but Peter knew who his foundation was. He knew who he, who he belonged to, and he went back to that. You see, church, if we're not confident of our scripture, if we're not confident of the Bible, we're going to go back to things that are familiar to us instead of things that are in the word of God. I want to talk about Daniel for a moment. He was tempted in three different ways. He was tempted to eat food that wasn't, he didn't want to eat. You know, the king's like, he was, he was taken to Babylon, and the king said, I want to feed you good, delicious food from my table to fatten you guys up a little bit so you look a little better. And Daniel said, no, I, I only eat certain foods. Feed me vegetables. And then Nebuchadnezzar said, look, I'm going to build a big statue, and you have to worship this statue. And David said, no, I'm not going to worship your statue. And then lastly, which is, which is the biggest one, they told Daniel, you can only pray to this God. And think about that for a minute. Just think if they came in today and said, you're not allowed to pray to your God. You're not allowed to pray to Jesus anymore. You're not, if you do, you're going to be thrown into the lion's den. What would you do? How would you respond to that? What would be your next action? What would be the next thing that comes out of your mouth? What would you do next? Well, Daniel went up to his house, and he continued to do what? Pray three times, not only one time a day, because it was his, it was his uh, tradition or the way that he routine that he prayed three times a day. And I love this part. I love Scripture because it tells us everything about it. Not only did he pray three times a day, what did he do? He opened the window. Look, if we serve the Lord and we're following him, we do not need to fear what man's going to do to us. We need to keep following God because God is going to guide us, not man. Sometimes we give up on God because we're following man. Daniel said, I'm not going to give up on my God. I'm going to continue to pray. You can throw me in the lion's den. I don't care. I don't care. Same with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They did the same thing. They were, they were tempted to, to give up, but they said, no, we're not going to give up, even if you throw us into the fire. They even said something cooler. They said, we don't know if God's going to save us. We believe he will, but even if he doesn't, we're still going to serve the Lord. Amen? That's the kind of heart I want. Even if he doesn't, we're still going to serve the Lord. 
so that Peter and John had the opportunity to go backward, to go back to their fishing days. Think about Peter as a fisherman. He's fishing, you know, they don't do it like that, but I'm thinking Bob or on a lake, but I don't think it was like that. It was big nets, big nets. And somebody said they had tilapia in the Sea of Galilee. Do you like tilapia? I like tilapia. That's, they actually call that a biblical fish. So I don't know if that's true or not. That's just a side note, and that's all free. But if you go, he's a fisherman, and now he's put on trial for this action that he did. He has the choice. Don't say you don't have a choice. I'm tired of people saying, well, I didn't have a choice. You did have a choice. You have a choice today. You have a choice today to serve him, or you have a choice today to do whatever you want. You have the choice, amen? We still live in America. Praise the Lord. We still have a choice, right? You have a choice in other countries too, but here we really have a choice. Let's continue. Verse 8 says this. Then Peter filled. Everybody say filled. That wasn't loud enough. Say filled. Come on, like you're at an old Pentecostal build with the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit. Said to them, rulers and elders of our people. This is important. Remember, fishermen, but why was he not an ordinary fisherman? Put that slide up. He He wasn't an ordinary fisherman. He was a guy empowered by the Holy Spirit to do awesome things. And look, you can have that same power. Amen? Stop being weak. Stop being weak. My coach, my football coach, at five foot three, probably back then, said, "Stop being weak." I used to tell him, "I'm only five foot three. I have no other choice. I'd be on the line, and these guys are so big. Stop being weak. It's a mental thing. You don't have to be weak in your Christianity. You can be empowered by the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus say? Acts one eight. You will receive what power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to do what? Go to church? No. To be my witnesses here in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. We have that power, church. You just have to say, Lord, I want that power. Ask for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and it's going to come upon you. We get so caught up in speaking in tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And was it, is it for today? It's not for today. It was for yesterday. You know what? Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. This doesn't change. Nothing has changed. This Bible, the word in this Bible is still true today. And it will be true 2,000 years ago if the Lord waits that long. My friend Keith is sitting on the front row. I would love Keith to come up here one of these days and preach to you guys because it will be so anointed. He says, but it will be so fast. It will be like 10 minutes. You'd, get, you'd be out of here. It would be the fastest church service in history, which nobody cares, Keith. I mean, we, some pastors go too long, so it would be perfect. You can get us in and out real quick. Make up for all the long ones, right? I mean, a couple short ones. Make up for the long ones. He told us last week, he goes, we were talking about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It happened to me when I was 18 years old. I went up to an altar and the guy goes, what do you want? I said, I don't know. I heard you talk about this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Man, I started speaking in tongues, and I haven't stopped since that day. Keith said what happened to him was he, he got prayed at a work site. You should have been working, Pastor Keith. But he's praying. He's, he's at a work site, and his boss is praying for him. How cool is that? I hope my boss is watching. Maybe we can start a prayer service. But his, his bo- boss is praying for him. Nothing happened. He just, he goes, I felt it. But then he gets in the car and he's driving. The Holy Spirit comes upon him in such power and anointing. He starts pre, he starts speaking in tongues. He was filled with the Holy Spirit at that moment. I dare anybody to go up to Keith and say that wasn't real. That was real. That was the Holy Spirit doing something awesome. Here's the deal. 
If you ever go to Keith and say, pray for me, be ready for God to tell you something. I'm telling you. He is anointed. He is an anointed prophet of God. He's never going to say that. But when he speaks, there are things that come out of his mouth. I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? Is it perfect? No, none of us are perfect. But, man, he's got the spirit upon him, and it is incredible. And you know what? He never went to Bible college like me. Who cares? He never, he never attended all these classes. You know what he said? Lord, use me, and the Lord is using him in a powerful way, not by his own might. He still builds houses. Praise the Lord. We need somebody building houses, right? We have a housing shortage, so he's building houses, but the Lord is still using him. One of the greatest men in Acts is Stephen, who was what? A table server, but the Lord used him. I'm not going to talk about Stephen. That will take too long. All right, verse number 9. Power, church. We need that power. We need the Holy Spirit to do something. Verse number 9. Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Everybody say amen. Amen. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Praise the Lord. Thank you for that resurrection. For Jesus is the one who referred to, who is one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. No other name under heaven by which we must be saved, but only the name of Jesus. Is there any other way? There is no other way. Picture all these rocks. It's a big pile. But they come to this one and say, even though this one was rejected, we're going to use this one because this one is the cornerstone that we're going to build our foundation on. And God says, I don't care if the world rejects him. I'm not going to reject him because he's my son, and we're going to build our lives on this. And he does. Not something weak, not something that's down, something that is strong, the cornerstone. The cornerstone is the foundation of the building where everything else is built from. Are you still rejecting him? Are you still pushing him away? Are you still saying that's not a good enough message? I need what CNN and Fox is going to tell me, not what you're going to tell me, Jesus. I wish I was saying something that wasn't true. There's a lot of people that are worrying about everything else in the world, but they won't put their lives, their faith in this. This is the only thing that matters, church. It doesn't matter that you come to church. We love you being here. It's so good to be here. But if you come every Sunday and don't give your heart to Jesus, it was worthless. You need to come and you need to say, I'm a, a church service is to get rallied up to take the message out to the world where people can hear about it. Not to come and, and just to sit there and take in what's going on. You should never do that. You should say, I like how Pastor says, lean in, get something out of it, and then take that message into the world. What you put into your heart, who you put into your heart, is what matters. And today, if you're not a believer, become a believer. Amen? It happened to me when I was 17. Everybody could come up here and tell you a testimony of how they became a Christian. It's the most important decision that you're going to make. Here's why. 2 Corinthians 6.1. It'll, it'll be up on screen, I think. 2 Corinthians 6.1. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept the marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. How many of you have listened to your parents give you a a uh, direction, and then go away and ignore it. Anybody? Oh, good. Thank you for being honest. Everybody else is lying. <laughs> I teach sixth graders all day long. 
I tell them what to do. And like less than 20 seconds later, we got these little things in science class where you, they're called, they're called pipettes. You grab the water, you take it out, and you put it in something else. I tell them before we start every day, every, do, every time we do a lesson with those things, I say, please do not squirt each other because you don't know if the class before you, I put acid in here. I don't have acid in my class or anything like that. But I want to scare them. I say, you don't know what I put in here, so don't squirt each other. Stephen, guess what happens every day? Every time. They're using them as little squirt guns. Did you not hear the direction? We can hear the direction, but we're not following the direction. If you ignore it, God's going to have to do something about it. At just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is when? Now. Today is the day of salvation. You might be thinking to yourself, I'll do it tomorrow. Pastor Rocky, I am really busy. I don't, want to, I don't want all this regulation that Christian life is going to put on me. I hate that. I've been more free in the last 33 years than I've ever been in my whole entire life. Well, I was young back then. But I've been, it's freedom because I know where I'm going, right? Church, we win. If you don't know Christ, you lose. That sounds too harsh. We'll read the Bible, right? I don't want to go where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and it's hot and there's fire all day long. Does that really exist? Yes. Read the scriptures. Anybody that doesn't know the Lord is going to be sent there. We're not teaching that in the church anymore. We used to call it fire and brimstone. We need a little bit more of that because if you don't serve the Lord, you're going to go find fire and brimstone, right? There's a that's called progressive Christianity now, which is not progressive. It's degressive. It's going backwards. Deconstruction, they're calling it. They're calling it the modern church where they're skipping Jesus, died on a cross for our salvation, and we need him. We're sinners that are not going to make it unless we know Christ. That's the truth of the scripture, not everything else they're trying to teach us. If you're coming to church to feel comfortable, well, you're going to the wrong church. Come here. We don't want to make you feel comfortable. We want to make you feel that the Holy Spirit is doing something in your life that you could take it out and use it, right? I don't want anybody ever to die without knowing Christ as their Savior. Let me finish up. It's not even time to finish up. I got a lot of time. Pastor Amy said I can go like till 1 o'clock, so I got lots of time. <laughs> the members of the, she hurried me first service, so I'm not going to, she's, I mean, right? Doesn't she put up signs eventually saying sit down or something like that? <laughs> I'm picking on Amy a lot today. I am so, I'm sorry, Pastor Amy. <laughs> the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see they were ordinary men with no special training in Scripture. Do I have to go to Bible college, Rock? Do I, have to, do I have to do all these things? No. You just have to have the boldness of the, of the Spirit. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So first of all, the council was amazed. I told the first service, I'm going to ask you too. Are people more amazed that, are people more amazed at your life as a Christian? Or are they more amazed that you tell them that you are a Christian? Because they don't see any evidence in your life at all. There are some people that come up to me and say, hey, I hear you're a preacher. I hear you go to church. I hear you do those things. I'm a Christian too. And I think to myself, gosh, I never saw that at all. <laughs> I'm like shocked that you would say that. Why? What's the Bible say? You will know them by their fruit. If your tree has all thorns on it and, and there's no fruit there, 
We used to have these things in Ohio called Buckeyes. It's like chestnuts, but it's called a Buckeye. And on the outside, they were brown on the inside like a chestnut, but on the outside, it was green and prickly. You couldn't even touch it because it would hurt. That's where the Buckeyes, the best football team in the country, the Ohio State Buckeyes. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I, I had to deal with a bunch of 49er fans, and, and I had Raiders over here, 49ers over here. The spirit couldn't move at all. I had to preach to the middle. There was one... There was one cowboy fan, which was really cool. So the light was like shining right. Look at it. He's right there again. And the light was shining down upon him. We haven't been in the Super Bowl in years. Uh, the, the, the Buckeye had the green outside, and it was prickly. You couldn't grab it. There was nothing there. If, you, if your life is like that where you look good, we used to look at the tree. Boy, that tree literally looks good. Let's, let's see what we can do with the Buckeye. I don't even think you can eat him. You can eat the chestnut. You can't eat the buckeye. Maybe you could. Buckeye, Google buckeye pie, and if you can make buckeye pie, tell, I don't know, like pecan pie. But nothing there. It wasn't good. So if you come to me and say, boy, I am just a Christian. I'm never going to question anybody. That's God's job, right? I don't question anybody. But you should show somebody, right? It should come out a little bit. There should be some evidence there. They were amazed. They were amazed when they saw them. They saw the boldness of Peter. I'm not going to go back into the power of the Holy Spirit, but there is a power there that is so evident that you could do whatever you need to do for Christ, and there's a boldness that rises up. I, I can't explain it. I don't know how it happens. I shouldn't even be up here. I, it's just the power of the Holy Spirit. I didn't do well in school. In communications class, they laughed at me. I couldn't do a speech. I couldn't do anything. But when the Holy Spirit came upon me, he anointed me. Our worship team is incredible, church. Aren't they? Give them a hand. Give them a hand. I love our worship team. But you know what? They'll be free to tell you it's not about them. It's that we pray for them. They pray. They practice, but they say, Holy Spirit, you do it. And God does something awesome, right? If you ever see a worship team that's all about themselves, you're not going to get anything out of it because it's all about themselves. They might sing the best songs in the world, but you won't get anything out of it. Today, I felt like I was in the presence of the Lord because of the power of the Holy Spirit upon them. Lastly, they recognized the men had been with Jesus. Will anybody recognize you that you have been with Jesus? Will anybody say, man, I know that that person has been with Jesus. As I walk down the hall, I teach sixth grade, and I don't want to say this to brag. It doesn't matter. It's not, it can't be about me. All I hear is, Mr. Polito, Mr. I teach at Desert Skies, and it's a huge school. It takes me like five minutes just to get from my classroom to the duty outside. As I'm walking down the hall, Mr. Polito, Mr. Polito, how are you, Mr. Polito? From students that I had in the past that drove me absolutely bonkers. I'm sure there's nobody like that in class, but they were horrible kids. I, yeah, I shouldn't say horrible online. They were, they were, what is the right word? They were, uh, no, not troubled. They were uh, challenging students. They challenged. That's a good, better, better PC term. Not Pastor Craig, but with the other one. They were, they were challenging. And, and I used to not get angry, but be stern. And, and they hated me in class. Now, Mr. Mr. Polito, how are you? High five all the way down the hall. As I'm standing in duty, they're all there. They want to talk to me. When I go to my classroom, they're all up front. They want to talk to me. And I say, do you do this with all your other teachers? And they're like, no, we don't even talk to our other teachers. I'm like, why you bother me all the time? <laughs> I, I tell them, I'm, I'm like, I tease them. I say, I don't even like you guys. I don't even like 11 and 12-year-olds. Why are you still here? Here's what they say. We respect you. I, didn't, I don't say anything to get respect. I teach science. I'm like, why, are you, why do you want to talk to me? 
And there's other teachers in the school. I don't know if you know this, and I'm not being judgmental, but it's very liberal and uh, staunchy and just, what's a good word? I don't know what a good word is. It's not serious, but they're all, yeah, it's just, they're sometimes whatever. So I say, why don't you go talk to them? Here's what they say. They don't care. But then I have to hear from those teachers that I'm irrelevant because I can't figure out the transgender thing. If you're here today, we'll pray for you. We'll talk to you. I'm not, it's not judging. This is not judging. But I have a hard time when a girl comes to my class and I got to call her by something else, and I do, but then they change and I have to call her by someone else, and I have to learn all these new pronouns. All, the only pronouns I want to know is he and her because that's all God created, but I'm not allowed to do that. But then they say, you're so irrelevant because you can't figure that out. This is the person that nobody even wants to talk to. The liberal genius who's telling me that I'm irrelevant. At 53 years old, I could be her dad. At 53 years old, they're all coming to see me. And I tell them I don't even like them. <laughs> Why? I hope it's because I've been with Jesus. He's doing something in my life, and somehow they can see that. And it's my prayer. I don't care if they learn any bit of science. Who cares, right? They're not going to be doctors. Maybe. If you're listening online, <laughs> I just killed the dream. If you're listening online, yes, you're going to be a doctor. They could be doctors. I'm not worried about that. But, man, if they could figure out who Jesus is through my life, that's so much more important. And I've had them come. I've, I've actually married one of my students that said, I heard you talk about that preaching thing once. Are you still a preacher? And I had a chance to marry her a long time after I taught her. Let's finish up with Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. It's not going to be on your screen. That's why i got to find it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 says this. You've heard it before if you've been at church ever for a long time. 24, 7 says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine puts them into practice and is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Guys, you sang great songs today. And I don't know if I told them what I was preaching on today, but weren't those great songs, River Rose, the, the Waters Rise, the Rains Come Down? Those were great songs. Great is thy faithfulness. That's so true. It says, blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Church, I'm just going to say this. I could stand here all day long, and this rock's not, this, this paver is not going to break. I could pound on it. It's not going to do anything, right? Because it's solid. It's a solid foundation. And, and who wrote this? Matthew says this, though. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on this sand. So look at this. I mean, it's just nothing. It's just you can't build anything on that. It's got rocks. It's got stubble. It's got all that stuff in there. And it's not firm. There's not, it's not going to hold anything up. Do you want this in your life? Do you want to be here when the winds come, when the rains come? Because they're coming, right? We had 2020. You know it's coming. When the winds and rain come, you're on a solid foundation. Or do you want to build your life on this? When the rains come, you're so angry. You're so frustrated. You're so mad. You're, you're yelling at everybody because your foundation is not on the cornerstone who is Jesus Christ. Amen? If you build there, you're going to fall. If you build there, you're going to be able to stand forever. We're, able, we're going to see, look at this giant in the church because they've done so much. And you may never come up here and speak, but we're going to know your life because of who you are. Your life is revealed in the tough times. 
not in the simple times. And how are you in those tough times? It's our prayer here at Convo that God would just build you up in such an awesome way that you build your life on the foundation of his scripture. When those rains come, when the winds come, when the storms rise, that you would stand firm. Amen? That's what matters more than anything else. Coming here today is awesome. How you live for the rest of the week is so much more important. What you do with the message. And, and you know what? How many messages have I heard in the last 30 years, 32 years of being a pastor? I couldn't tell you but three of them. Maybe five that I've heard, right? You can't even tell me what pastor preached on last week. Maybe. What is it? Silence. See what I mean? And I even told you at the beginning of service, Jesus is the what? Center. Good. Woo. We got one. All right. See, where do we forget? But as we build on them week after week after week after week, we read every day. We put something else in our hearts. We pray. We come to Tuesday night prayer. We meet together as men, and we say, hey, how can I encourage you? How can I lift you up? You meet it as women, and you encourage each other. Man, the foundation gets strong. Try to do it by yourself. The foundation is going to be weak. Do it on God's word and with other people and praying all the time. It's amazing that we can Thank you again for joining us on the Convo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Convo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ConvoChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at Convo Church. Thanks again for listening. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.